We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Fendiari, Light Years Pod, we're back. We are at number episode uh, 29. Fun fact, there's no number 29 in Warriors history. I, I looked so, this up because it's reached the, the point where I can't, like, you know, if it's, if it's 23 or something, obviously I can name players who've worn that, but I couldn't think of a 29. Um, see, we can't, we can't even crappily bullshit for like 30 seconds, which is what we usually do, so... <laughs> Well, we won't waste anybody's time. We're just going to go right into it. Well, yeah, good so, stuff. So we have some special guests this week. Very excited to have on from uh, SI, uh, Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp. Ben, Andrew, how you guys doing? I'm good. I see how it is. You give us the podcast number where there's no Warriors player when the very next episode was going to be Steph Curry. I mean, come <laughs> on, guys. <laughs> well, we have the next one saved for Marcus Thompson. We, we told him we'd give him number 30, so... <laughs> That's Look, good. I'm, that's that's the way it should be. I'm I'm honored to join you guys. I've been a longtime admirer of your relentless <laughs> shit talking on Twitter and just general demeanor toward the rest of the NBA. So I'm I'm really happy to be here. I appreciate that. If we're if we're gonna get the arrogant reputation, we might as well get the shots in, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just you're you're leaning into it, which is which is the way it should be. 
You know, I've, I've found out the last couple of years um, that, that guy, like national media guys like you guys that actually do this for a living um, <laughs> actually do enjoy. Um, there are some that don't, but do enjoy me and Sam acting this way because I think a lot of times is you guys want to do the same thing, but since it's your actual actual job, it's like we've got it's, we're like nothing to lose Twitter. <laughs> we're, we're like nothing to lose Twitter. We can say whatever the hell we want, and it's all yeah. good. But if you guys say some of the stuff that we do, it, it starts getting a little like in the gray area, and, and so so I think that's why people like like enjoy because they, they can kind of live vicariously. Are you just patting yourself stuff. on the back? Hell yeah! <laughs> Basically. Yes, but it's it's true, particularly with Russell Westbrook. You guys say some like personal shit about him that we could never ever say without causing like or without getting significant backlash. And so I do sometimes live vicariously through your dismissive hating. Yeah, so, I view I view you guys kind of like the Steph Curry Tea Party. You know, you're just pulling. <laughs> You're pulling the conversation toward the fringes, uh, and no, certainly we respect you for that. To be honest, though, I kind of think you might have brainwashed Sharp a little bit. Like, I think you might have <laughs> gone through to him just a little bit more than he just admitted right there. Um, no, that's not that's not accurate. What What's frustrating about you guys is that you're so obnoxious, and yet you're <laughs> technically correct. So you're sort of like Celtics fans, uh, where like. Everyone should find you guys unbearable, um, yeah, but you're better than Celtics fans. But to get to f- closer to the point here, the reason I was excited about this episode be- is because I think it's time for you guys to admit the truth and admit that the Warriors were much cooler two years ago before Kevin Durant <laughs> got there. And you've done a great job keeping the charade going and pretending to still like this team. But I think it's time to just step into the light here. So there's a lot to unpack there. One, my my number one theory that I get um, that Andy gets upset about is we're basically the West Coast Celtics. Like there's no way around it that this fan base is basically the, the West Coast it, it's West Coast Boston. Like if, if New York is the big market on the East Coast, mm-hmm. L.A. is the big market on the West Coast. And then there's kind of that um, just overzealous pride for Bay Area teams here. Um, I view I view the Celtics now as kind of like our racist uncles. So <laughs> it's kind of like ultimately we have the same. Um, we're the same. We just we use, you know we use more generationally appropriate terms as opposed to your right. uncle at Thanksgiving <laughs> who just says stuff that you're like, uh, I'm not going to let anyone know that that happened. <laughs> no, you know what, you know where it really comes through though is in a basketball sense, like golden state is so rock solid from top to bottom. And Boston is too, that you can kind of make fun of them, but deep down, like I'm looking at the wizards being like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, please get your act together. And the Celtics and Warriors are sort of in a league of their own. Yeah, it starts with the um, you want to make fun of the Stevens thing and then you turn right around and be like, oh, Kerr has a really good point. You know, he's very smart. Yeah, (laughs) it's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, Andrew, Andrew, you really sound just jealous of all the high horses out there. I get it. (laughs) But I'm actually glad I'm surprised because you beat me to calling them out on this because I think we just need to stop beating around the bush and all these chuckles and so forth. You guys don't want the Katie and Steph thing to continue. <laughs> if you had your way, 
you would be okay just moving on from the Kevin Durant era, letting some other fan base worry about the kind of questionable interviews that he's been giving here recently. <laughs> oh and my just, God. And just get back to all 30 all the time <laughs> on offense. Andrew and I know it, and we're here to confront you with it. And we didn't plan this either. We're just on the same page. One that's not <laughs> false. <laughs> uh, like I will say, true. I will say, um, you know, for all the, the OKC, like how they get a hard time for uh, being very tight lipped with the media. It might have done. It might have done Kevin Durant some favors <laughs> yeah. watching the last Yo. year and a half. <laughs> Can, can we talk about the KD interviews? I mean, we're going to take this step by step. We're actually, this is like a therapy session for you guys. But can we talk about the Durant interviews? Because I feel like I've read the same 4,000 word Kevin Durant profile for like 18 months straight. Like every, he's constantly talking about loyalty and how it wasn't personal with the Thunder. And like, I don't understand how these keep getting written. Well, so I feel like I'm in a relationship with someone who's in love with someone else. So that's, that's kind of the oh. warrior fan perspective. It's just <laughs> kind of, it's kind of awkward. Like why, why are you still bringing this up? It's been, <clears throat> I, I get it last year and I got it with, you know, before the first trip back to OKC, but still doing it after you had an amazing finals was, was strange. And yeah, and, and I, don't, and I like I don't need KD to continue to tell me that loyalty doesn't exist in the NBA. Like we, he's made that point. I got it. Yeah, I feel like the KD profile starter kit is a <laughs> it's a private jet. It's a tech summit. It's like a teary eyed, remorseful reflection upon a tweet that he shouldn't have made, and then just a rich climbing cameo from nowhere. Yeah, rich climbing, just chilling in the cut. <laughs> so. He he's kind of like the uh, man. I I don't know how I should say this, but he's <laughs> you know how Kyrie's like fake woke. I think yes. um, KD is. I think he wants to be liked by everyone. We we know that, but I think he's also he wants to be seen as smart. So he's kind of like fake intelligent. I think the the best example that I that I could probably give out is that he has like he's here in Silicon Valley. I think just the idea of that is pretty cool to him. And he also has stakes in like, apparently like, like tens, maybe hundreds, I guess of different businesses, but doesn't really, <laughs> KD is your boss. He just, he just puts money in it, but he doesn't do anything. Right. So someone like, like someone who's actually smart, <laughs> like Andre Iguodala, like he'll actually be the person helping them make decisions from a business perspective. Um, I think KD is just a guy that just like is just wants to be in and just wants to be like, cool. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't think that matters or means anything when you're talking about on the court stuff. But when you're, no, not, when you're looking not. at from a fan perspective, from the Warriors, though, um, you you won't see anybody. Nobody really defended him in the offseason either uh, when he was saying the stuff that he did when he was doing the burner account stuff. Like you really didn't see. I didn't see any Warriors fans that were. Everybody was just like, even all my friends, were just like, dude, like, what's up with this guy, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's his what's his problem? Not not so much like. Hey, why are these guys picking on KD? Like KD's right, blah, blah blah. Like you know, if Steph like tomorrow like cheat on his wife, people would would be would be, you know, you know, praising him regardless. Wanna, I don't even want to like. <laughs> I would have to talk to my mom for an hour on the phone if that happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just to be clear, I do like KD. At the end of everything, uh -huh. KD is a DC guy. And I watched him his rookie year come back and play here in the summers like he he's the best. But I worry about him because he's been led astray. And I've definitely thought about like 
how much money is he getting conned out of in the VC world right now? Because I'm sure he's just like getting hit up constantly and he's clearly saying yes to a lot and of he's different down. Ideas. Yeah. And he's down yeah. for <laughs> he's, everything. He's down for whatever. Hey, the one thing from that profile, I forget which one of the two that dropped last week that really felt the saddest to me though. And there was, I mean, layers of sadness to these pieces, <laughs> but the, the, the saddest part, was that he said he didn't enjoy winning the championship as much as he thought he would, you know? And he was like trying to spin it as like, well, I guess it's just all about the journey. This guy changed his entire life. He basically threw his reputation away. He threw away a fan base that loved him and and immediately turned on him in a way that he never expected to join a juggernaut. It worked. He, He had the greatest moment of his life at the finals. He won finals MVP and he doesn't really seem satisfied by the on-court stuff. And for a guy who's stressed repeatedly, he's all about hooping. He's all about hooping. That's what he cares about. Doesn't that, isn't that really sad? Like, if you don't get the the benefit of winning the title after jumping ship, why'd you do it? And and what's next? I mean, I'm honestly waiting for him to go, uh, like, Ricky Williams or Marshawn on us and, like, pull an early retirement and go play bongo jump drums in like a third world country for no reason like he just doesn't i i don't know all his quotes come across as someone who's very disassociated with just the entire process but then you watch him play and you're like i mean it seems like he enjoys it he's obviously amazing at it so i I don't know how to read it in any in any way I will say that I didn't enjoy the finals as much as I expected either. So me and Katie are in the same boat on that one. (laughs) Um, But we should talk about Saturday night with you guys. I mean, Sixers Warriors, like that was another one where KD was uh, completely unfair in the third quarter there. And, And Steph went off like, what was that like from a Warriors standpoint? So, so two thoughts on that. One, um, this has been the, the most entertaining Warriors road trip in the last like four years, <laughs> at least East Coast road trip. Let me put it that way. Like that they've been, I can't tell you how boring it's been every time they've done an East Coast swing the last few years. Like, oh, great. We get to play Jay Crowder. And then next, um, Mello's going to jab step his way to the 30 point loss. Like, wow, very exciting. <laughs> So at least we got like two very entertaining games. Um, but yeah, that, that Philly one was, um, it, it was the full range of emotions. They looked completely lost and awful the first half. And then in the third quarter, they flipped the switch. Like, I don't think I've ever seen them flip it before. Andy? You, you know, I was just, I just finished writing a piece on, on warriorsworld.net um, <laughs> where I'm I'm basically at this point I think it's Kerr purposely not adjusting to the team and the team also screwing around to the point where um, Kerr just gets frustrated and so now it's like you know what like even last season two seasons ago they make all the adjustments right like put guys in earlier like that even simple stuff not even schematic stuff like that that's fine that can be done on the back end but even like just putting stuff in earlier or maybe taking someone out and not playing him right but at this point Kerr's like i just he just doesn't it just doesn't matter if nick young doesn't play good minutes in the first half he'll get a couple minutes in the second half anyway who cares right <laughs> if if javel's not playing well for the last couple of weeks He's starting the he's starting the next game. It doesn't matter. So I think they're not really doing themselves any favors uh, there. And I, I mean, I guess it just, it doesn't really matter long term. I guess is, is the the way to put it, which is kind of arrogant. But it's like I'm interested to see 
um, if it bites them in the ass in the postseason um, because it has before. Um, and then it, it worked out last year because he also went small earlier, which is like the only, which is like the only adjustment you need to make with this team. But Steve Kerr loves to not do it. Um, but like that, I mean, they I'm have seven centers on the roster. You got you to <laughs> yeah. play them all. Like you got, look, but our boy Looney's been just max He's, contract. Yo, max they, look, Bob the Myers, are chopping him the max. Bob Myers sure. has done a great job stocking the bottom half of that roster with a bunch of centers who aren't good. Uh, and Kerr, to his credit, continues to give them shots. But <laughs> I, I had fun on Saturday night because I was actually working, so it was a pretty sad Saturday night. But I, di- I didn't watch the first half of that Sixers game, and so I was just watching the score, like what the hell is happening, and then. The Warriors came out in the second half and they it was so much fun to watch them actually try and actually have to care. And it like I came away from it thinking we should just have the Warriors start every second half down 20 because when they actually have to get their shit together, they're pretty amazing. See, that's what bothers me because I think they've reached the same conclusion. Like they're so bored by everybody that they're like, all right, we're going to just play out the first quarter and a half, see how much we're going to you know, allow the opponent, like basically spot them so that it's going to be a game until, you know, the end of the fourth quarter. And then they sort of like self calibrating. Uh, and that drives me nuts, man. Just I mean, these guys, it reminds me a little bit when they would screw around two years ago uh, and just do just enough to win, just kind of flirting with it. And it came back to bite them in the finals. I feel like they're kind of getting back into that tendency. Yep. But to go back to Kerr real quick, his sideline demeanor this year is a little strange too. It's sort of like he's been told by a therapist to count to 10 so that he doesn't release his stress. And he's just counting to 10 over and over and over and over and over throughout the game. So he just gets up to like 10,000 by the time the game's over because he's sitting there not saying anything for like quarters at a time or barely reacting. Uh, and if he does react like he did again in, during the Nets game, it was kind of to like yell at his own guys a little bit strange. So I don't know. I, I have, a th- he, I have was, a he, he was yelling at Steph that that's, uncalled for down here you can't see i have mm-hmm. a theory on that he's gone he's gone full phil jackson i think he i think he went up to montana this summer had um, had a good you know month with phil doing whatever they do in montana and he's he's basically just playing mind games with his own team he's we saw it more in the boston game like they they easily could have won that game with even with how terrible they played for most of it and he just refused to make any adjustments he was like you guys, you guys aren't even trying. You're not moving the ball. You're not doing anything. So I'm going to let you embarrass yourself. Refuse to call any timeouts. Refuse. And so I kind of feel like that's his approach, which has kind of been the antithesis of how he's um, gone about it the last few years, where it's like, you know, two dumb passes and he calls a timeout and starts screaming at everyone. Yeah, and that so, drives me nuts. Like Cleveland, too. Like when, uh, remember when Deion Waiters and Kyrie were sharing the backcourt? I went to a game early in that season and LeBron is basically just standing in the corner, letting them pound, 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 commit turnover turnovers, take terrible shots as if that's going to be like the way to teach them uh, how to play good basketball. We're still waiting for Dion to kind of turn the corner on that one four <laughs> years later, but I don't like that style of leadership from anybody, you know, like if you're don't let somebody out to dry and, and with the Warriors, clearly the stakes are not that high here. They will flip the switch, but 
uh, it is still aggravating to watch. And I know Sharp's been saying like they've been more entertaining to watch these last couple of games just because they've been in games and so forth. And to me, they're like stressful. It's like, come on, do we really have to do it? This is like way harder than it needs to be. Well, I just enjoy Kerr as a wild card to the whole Warriors equation <laughs> because if like, first of all, he I really like him as a as a guy and his his like biweekly political rants are fantastic and then as a coach he's just it's kind of like condescending and aloof and is doing whatever the hell he wants to do and it's more fun than watching like you like you said a couple weeks ago Gulliver they could go like 35 and 0 with Mike Brown but Kerr sort of throws a little curveball into the mix and keeps us all on our toes which is which is probably better than the alternative um do you guys? What do you guys think he ranks in terms of coaches? I'd say he's the second best in the league. Well, Ooh. that's tough because Andrew thinks Brad Stevens the best coach that's ever taken the sidelines. No, oh, Sam is going to be coming with some fire later. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, let me just say, let me just say, I think that in game, I it's hard to put anyone above Stevens at this point. Like, oh I'm sorry, he just it's is lit. really, really good, and Get I don't him, Sam. Get him, Sam. No, no, I'm with him. No, I'm no, on no, the Stevens no. bandwagon. Oh. And Andy's been texting me pictures of uh, just like Boston Monument saying like, hey, this is this is your new hometown now. Just he, he thinks know. I'm a huge it's, Boston fan. It's, it's Michael Pina Spendiari out here. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is why it's hard to say nice things about the Celtics because then you're put in that mob of like Celtics homers. And I'm not trying to live that life. But Stevens, it's very difficult to argue with at this point. He's I mean, just I'm, awesome. I'm wearing my Tommy some jersey right now. But aside <laughs> from that, yeah, um, I, I don't know where he – my opinion is I don't know where Kerr ranks among them. I just know he's in that group of like – we'll put Pop on his own level because he's done it for 25 years or whatever at this level. But like between Stevens, Kerr, I'd throw Spolstra in there. Like they're – yeah. They're they're on the top level of coaches. You you can win with with any of them at a very yeah, high level. They're going to make like, their players better. Kerr Kerr is operating on a different frequency than like eighty percent of the coaches in the NBA. Where like Scott Brooks is not is not working on <laughs> on Kerr's level. And like there there are maybe four or five in any given season who, who are elite, and he's in that group. I'm super big on boring things like establishing culture and and getting buy-in and convincing star players to sacrifice. So from that standpoint, like pop, I think he's still above your guys's, you know, flavor of of the month here up in your, your bean town flavor of the month. Um, I would probably go Kerr second at this point and then probably Brad third. Um, I'd probably be one, two, three there. Can roll with that. So um, a, a debate Andy and I have been having for the last, well, okay, the last week is <laughs> better future, Boston or Philly. And I've been all up on the Boston bandwagon. Um, I think I think Boston's <laughs> pretty much going to be, I, I don't care, you know, what Embiid does against the Lakers or the Clippers. Oh my God. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't believe he's going to be healthy for five years in a row period. Yeah. And I, I kind of believe like, even if Simmons is more talented than anyone on Boston and he probably is, 
I believe Boston will maximize every one of their players to the absolute peak of their ability because of Stevens, because of the culture and all that stuff. And I just don't know what I'm getting from Philly at all, that Boston's the clear choice here. Is, is not- this, <laughs> is go, this go podcast uh, sponsored by like legal seafoods? <laughs> Because I, I feel the same way. <laughs> like, uh, here we go. Ben and I went through this the other day, and we were talking more in the context of who the next team to beat the Warriors will be. And it, like in a playoff series between Philly and Boston. And part of my thinking is when you like play this out over the next year and a half, I, I can't see a scenario where the Celtics don't end up with Anthony Davis. And if you put oh. Anthony Davis out of that team, like they're going to be really, really tough to deal with. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've um, floated that same thing. Like whenever they trade, whoever ends up getting <laughs> Anthony Davis, assuming they have something else around him, which Boston clearly would is going to probably be the team that inevitably beats the Warriors. Because Anthony Davis on his own frustrates the Warriors, but he just has had nothing around him in terms of a system, the right players, that it really matters. Like, great, he gives Draymond 35 points. It doesn't really matter in in the context of New Orleans versus the Warriors. But put him on a competent team, all of a sudden, it's it's a major problem. Philly has two guys that... I think could make a larger impact on both sides of the ball than the best player that the Celtics are going to have. Like, that's really the only, that's my argument. Like, and then you have Markel Fultz who we're going to assume, I mean, is going to be, is going to be all right. Um, and I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't, uh, unless, I mean, if, I mean, I can, if we're going to assume Jason Tatum is going to be like some type of superstar, which I don't, you know, who knows, but I don't think so. Or Jalen Brown. Um, like, I think the best they're going to be is like Andre Iguodala. Right. So then, yeah. Um, so then you have two like really, really, really good role player stars. Um, but then Al Horford's going to be older. Like he's great right now, but I mean, he disappears every postseason against real competition. Um, and then you're going to need, like you're essentially going to need Anthony Davis to make that happen, which is a tall order. Um, and I think Philly doesn't like um, they have Covington um, who can be similar to Brown or Tatum uh, sort of. Um, but then you have MB, like that's, that's someone that is literally unguardable. Like Draymond can guard him now, but a year or two from now, he's not going to be able to, especially when Draymond's I mean, older. A year so or two from now, he might be out of basketball. All right. Well, <laughs> no, no, cause that short circuits the debate. We can't, we right, can't so let's assume he stays healthy. Yeah. The yeah. only teams that have frustrated the Warriors have been ones that have can basically outthink them, which goes back to coaching, which is to Who's say Kyrie outthinking. I mean, Kyrie gives the Warriors a lot of problems, but Stevens in general gives them problems. Pop gives them problems. Like, I would... The Spurs don't have the talent right now to compete with the Warriors, but if they got it, I would... Right, that's fair. If they were close enough, it'd be that sort of thing. Like, I don't see... Brett Brown's a good coach, but I haven't seen anything from him that gives me the belief that he can out... Or he can scheme something enough to frustrate the Warriors out of their game. Yeah, I think I'd say first, I mean, San Antonio is going to have the talent. They're going to get LeBron next summer. And so that's your biggest threat. Uh, I mean, that would be a problem. Past that, though, Sam, I'm with you on what you're saying about the advantages of Boston's culture. I do think if we're giving Philly a healthy Embiid, he has the ability to set a new culture 
all by himself. He's that level of talent. And I don't think Simmons is that far behind him either. So not only are you going to be elevating players like Covington and their other role guys in, in into better players than they maybe have been to date. Uh, but I think you're also going to be attracting more, you know, mid-level and veteran minimum type guys uh, to that destination just because of his talent. And so I think that would be one counter to say, Hey, you know, Philly, uh, is more than just like the remnants of the process and weird ownership decisions and, you know, the Colangelo's cause like who really trusts them? Uh, I think that's, that's the one advantage I see of their superstar talent that Andy mentioned, having those two guys, uh, where you know, they could lift everything, uh, you know, from their current pieces to their ability to attract others. Do you guys think, LeBron would ever go to Philly because we got Ben and I have open floor emails and we got like 10 emails over the weekend suggesting LeBron to the Sixers. One, I don't know that LeBron and Simmons is the best fit. Like they're Simmons yeah. is just kind of, uh, you know, I mean, he's basically LeBron light ask, but they play the same approach. Um, and then I don't think so. I don't know. Like, Maybe if Embiid gives you a fully healthy year, he reconsiders it. But it's hard to see someone like LeBron, who's got a limited amount of years, theoretically, going somewhere with like a young player who just cannot stay healthy up till now. Yeah, I, I do think the LeBron Simmons thing would be funny because, you know, all the big brother, little brother stuff that right. drove Kyrie crazy. <laughs> I think you could have a situation with LeBron and Simmons where LeBron is just like openly referring to Simmons as his son and Simmons being like, okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like Simmons, he's not really a talker. He idolizes LeBron. Uh, you know, they kind of have some similarities to their game. I could see LeBron dropping a like, Oh yeah. You know, I just came to Philly because, you know, it's sort of like my you know, surrogate son out there and I just wanted to see him develop and, and Simmons just being totally cool with it. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny because it says more about where LeBron is than the Sixers, but I would not I would be really bummed if he went to Philly just because we have like to KD. Yeah, well no, it's it's not even that. It's just LeBron we'd have to deal with all of his bullshit on that team and it would be so much more fun to just watch the Sixers, watch whatever this is happen without like some outsider coming in and turning it into the, like a nonstop melodrama. And uh, like, I feel the same way about LeBron to New York. It's just like a lot of these young teams, the East hasn't had exciting teams for probably like 85% of my adult life, <laughs> but now it's starting to get fun. And I don't want LeBron to go to any of them because he would just sort of suck all the energy and it it would be a bummer yeah you know, just, what you're saying is there's not enough room for lebron's instagram game and joel Embiid's instagram game in the same locker room I it's just saying that yeah let's just let's just send him to la and let him subtweet lonzo and lavar and everyone can be happy from here on out yeah i think that's destiny right <laughs> i am uh i am interested to see um, how Sixers fans are going to be a couple years from now, assuming they're going to be really good. Because you guys remember in the offseason when they were retweeting um, things about oh, the they process. Got me and in the, they got me in the first half. I had a tweet from 2014 or 15 like that basically was saying, like, I don't, Sixer fans are saying Covington is some great find. <laughs> like, I get it. He can play. I'm worried they might be He's worth He's not a building them, block. I'm worried. <laughs> 
Yo, Covington is honestly the craziest development of this Sixers season because he was a guy, I don't care what Sixers fans say, he wasn't good. He was like a fun sort of sixth man type player. And now he suddenly showed up this year and started hitting like 45% of his threes. I don't think I've seen him miss like uh, right. all, he went, all year, basically. He went from being like, okay, this guy came out of the D League and he's clearly an NBA rotation player to like right. he's, a, he's a bona fide starter on basically any team. Yeah, like he was a useful player for sure, but he was one of the like, like he was, do you know how the Rockets every year have like six or seven interchangeable guys who are slightly better than you thought they were, but aren't actually good? Like that was Covington. Exactly. Like a a Sam Decker. He was was totally Sam Decker. And now all of a sudden he's like a a legitimate building block for them. It's crazy. Uh, it's almost like he's playing with two superstars. Like I just said five minutes ago, but yes, <laughs> there's no question that you're the smartest person on this podcast. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that. I just think that's, that's what I mean about the Embiid effect. Like I, because if we're comparing these two situations, like Boston ownership, for sure, front office, Boston, for sure. Coach Boston, for sure. Uh, and I think hey, you know, and point guard. Yeah, we got we got the most woke point card in the league. <laughs> yeah. We not not I'm a Celtics fan. We good, good old yeah, you oh really God, are man. the worst. You just expose yourself. Just expose yourself. Um, I will say oh, this one well. thing: Kyrie um, gives the Warriors specifically problems. And I think it's mm-hmm. interesting. Like if I said right now, who's the better point guard, Russ or Kyrie? Everyone's going to say Russ, rightfully so, because if you just drop the two of them into most team scenarios, Russ is going to help you win more. But Kyrie specifically gives the Warriors problems. It has to do mostly with the fact that he like plays a slower pace and never turns it over. That I don't, I don't know how to rate him. Like I, most people wouldn't put him up near the top point guards, but then when right. he plays the Warriors, I he's on the short list of players that they just do not know how to deal with. All right. So I enjoy Kyrie's off the court coffee shop persona because he's just completely full of shit at all times. (laughs) And it's amazing. But on the court, this is going to drive me insane because I feel like we're going to just spend the next, at least the next eight months, possibly the next eight years, overrating Kyrie. I agree with Shark here. Like, he just, I mean, you could put, I, I think that if you put Russ in Boston, they would find a way to sort of mitigate all the bullshit that he does. And I also think nah. that you, like, <laughs> you could put Damian Lillard in Boston and Lillard would look great. Like, he's just... He's okay, but he's not a top three point guard. Like, I've seen so many people put him in conversations with Steph, and I don't see it at all. I will yeah, say, I will say, play this. with LeBron. He, that, that's um, what makes it easier, Sam. That, that's the thing. Like, he, he played with LeBron. He's not playing with LeBron, with LeBron right now, and they're. And he played like shit. On yeah, Thursday. he hasn't been that good. He's <laughs> on he my fantasy good team. This year. He's on my <laughs> fantasy <laughs> team, too. And, <laughs> and it's a little rough, man. He's like doing, he's 20 he minutes a game. Great. He's okay. Look, I agree with your general point, Andrew, but I don't think you could put Russ in any system anywhere and expect him to be anything besides <laughs> what he's been. I mean, I think that's where I kind of draw the line. Like, I mean, we saw what the Boston situation did for Isaiah. We're seeing what it can do for Kyrie. I agree 100% Damian Lillard could plug in and, and be kind of on a similar level and, and win to a similar degree. Uh, Russ, I would keep out of that conversation. 
Uh, I think, you know, in terms of ranking Kyrie, I think we had him like just outside the top five uh, of point guards in our top 100. And he's made progress defensively. I think we can give him credit for that. Like it's not easy to have an elite defense if your point guard just doesn't play. And and so he's stepped up. Uh, he's probably risen a little bit in my eyes. I don't know if that makes me one of these overraters who you guys are kind of accusing of. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think he's top two, top three on that level. And Maybe we should have the question whether Russ really is too. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, he's well, not playing as much defense as he used to. He's he's not really making the most out of his teammates there in Oklahoma City. His numbers are down clearly from last year. Uh, so where do you guys stand on that? Perfect. Just just beautiful. As long as long as I can see, <laughs> this, this is what like this is what we needed. Like an off well, we meaning me and Sam. Um, an off season for the ages, right? Kyrie leaves LeBron uh, because it doesn't want to play with him. Then he goes to Boston, and now they're quote unquote favored to come out of the East per Boston media. Um, then <laughs> Russ gets guys. Russ gets PG. He gets mellow, right? We got it. We assemble. We assemble an All Star team just because the names are cool. Um, and then Russ can't doesn't know how to play point guard. Um, actually, you know what brings us to the next part is is we're trying to understand if like you were saying if they're good or not it's i like i think i think they're kind of screwed uh the next day i think i think pg's going to be gone well i guess Melo's going to be there which is but which even is actually, even before it makes it worse. But even but before even, that just for this season it's um we were joking that they're the um dwight howard lakers and I, I feel like we've talked it into existence. Like, I, I kind of feel like that's their path. We did, it, like seven, we did it. We did it. They're going to be a seven yeah. or eight seed and and get into that, like, Will Smith, uh, Carlton, like, arguing over the last shot type of thing and just go nowhere when everyone thought they would be, um, you know, on the upper I, you half know, of the West. You know, I don't even think it's like – I don't even know if they are arguing about last shots. It's just I think Russ just isn't – isn't playing like he was even when he KD was on the team when he drove KD away, which is again beautiful. Um, but even <laughs> now, like they're just he's playing differently. Like he's not, and then and then sooner or later he's gonna go back to being the ball hog, like the the guy that you can't, he, the, the guy that's easy to guard if you're if you're the warrior on the Warriors, and he's gonna go back to that sooner or later, and it is gonna end up driving those guys away. Probably on is, Wednesday. I, just, I can't wait. I can't wait. So. <laughs> Good we news, Andy. To- Hold on, though, real quick. Good news, because Carmelo actually has a solution. Uh, his solution, quote uh, from Fred Katz, we have to do a better job of being selfish. We? <laughs> <laughs> oui. oh. Did he really say that? Melo said that. He was referring His- to himself and, of course uh, and Russ and Paul George maybe deferring to each other too much, you know, overly seeking the balance. So, Melo's out here preaching the, the, the virtues of selfishness uh, for a team that's <laughs> so, trying to still find its identity. His quotes, just, have, his quotes have been just A1 all, starting from when he like laughed at the idea of coming off the bench. It's just been priceless the whole way through. Just so you guys know, Ben's little pet obsession this year is the Thunder. So if you, if you think you guys are hating on Russ and OKC this year – Ben texts me at least three or four times a week with various little news tidbits, <laughs> score updates, for like their net rating numbers, if there's a change in their net rating. It's pretty ridiculous. So he's enjoying this. I just want to say, to go back to something we talked about at the beginning of the pod, 
it's dangerous with you guys because I've really enjoyed following you over the last few years. But I do worry that we have sort of crossed the line because you really are speaking things into existence. (laughs) The the Cavs, what's happened to the Cavs over the last 12 months, like you couldn't have scripted it any more cruel. And that makes me convinced it makes me convinced that you guys are somehow behind this. And then the, the the looming OKC, like depressing seventh seed after Paul George leaves next year is going to be even darker. Well, not to mention the Clippers, man. I mean, the the, Cl- <laughs> the Clippers were like big bro for these guys, you know, a few years ago. And then now Chris leaves. They're on an eight game losing streak. And yeah. uh, we and we don't even talk about that. That's the crazy thing. Like, like they're no longer relevant enough to like worry about when they're on an eight late eight game losing streak. So that I, just, I try to, to tell you that. I try to tell you that before the season, Ben, that they are, they're very close to turning into the West coast Brooklyn nets. And like, I, I kind of thought they were going to be an 11th seed, uh, this year. And now like, who know? I don't even know where they go from here. Whether it's firing Doc Rivers and the DeAndre trade, like I don't know how many teams around the league would even want him. People would want him, but it's just funny because, like, you know, Gallo misses some time, and we're all nervous about their health. And then you really realize that that means Wes Johnson's got to be a guy for you, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, 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 the sympathy factor. It's Wes so Johnson deep. has been a guy for them for like three years now. Like, they got, this is not the first time we've seen Wes get up in the mix. And they got uh, two a, solid point guards, and somehow they both got hurt to give us 40 minutes a game of Austin Rivers at point guard. <laughs> like, I, I just don't know how, how Doc does this. I don't know if he's well, behind the to, scenes finding ways to, like, you know, mess with their health. No, to, to go back to Sharp's point, though, I mean, do you guys want to take credit for this? I mean, we're pointing out all these crumbling buildings, and <laughs> you guys are Godzilla. So go ahead and, and do your victory lap. <laughs> Every day is a victory lap on Twitter for us, really. From Sam's 6 a.m. to me, 2 a.m. All, all day long. It's, a, it's, like a joint, it's like a joint partnership that we just we do. Uh, uh, amongst the Trump noise that that Sam will tweet out every every couple hours, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's fascinating. I don't um, I don't like. There's part of it. I think Andrew, it's not that interesting. That's that's where I have to agree. Like that, there are times where it's just you, you'll go weeks and months, even like of of last season. Um, and this year, it's not going to be necessarily interesting until March, right? Unless some type of injury occurs and Steph has yeah. to go off, which is you know what what everybody hopes for down here. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean it 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 gets a little boring, and uh, and I mean if you want to blame it on KD, you know. The, the, <laughs> I mean, right now point, Houston has a better record has a better record than the Warriors, and yeah, they're not slowing but, down. But it's just like I I have. I'm more worried about Boston than I am about Houston. There's just just zero chance that a Houston series is going to frustrate the Warriors in any way. They will get hot. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to worry the the Warriors (laughs) in the the playoff series. Kyrie is more worrisome than Chris Paul and James Harden combined. Oh, my God. You know, so the Harden thing is really interesting because he's obviously – like He's out of his mind right now. Planet right now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But I cannot take him seriously <laughs> after watching him melt down in the playoffs like 
four of the last five years. I, it's like a mental block for me. The other night against the Suns, like I didn't care that he scored 48 points on like 16 shots or whatever it is. Like he, he keeps getting more and more statistically ridiculous. And I, I'm just like, numb to everything that he's doing yeah spoken like a true westbrook mvp voter no question <laughs> <laughs> we can get into that man look I'm were you really kidding. into those extra two rebounds a game sharp look man i feel I like would, i would have voted for russ too so <laughs> basketball is to me it's it's bigger than just the numbers and there's a cultural aspect to it and oh. russ for whatever, like whatever you want to say about him, he was so good in a handful of big moments last year. Against the Orlando Magic, I <laughs> look. You can you can take your shots. I'm just he saying. He didn't play three he, fourth quarters against the Warriors, two of which didn't was, have KD look, in the in the look, lineup. The Warriors are in another league, another stratosphere. I just felt like Russ was clearly the story of the season, and part and part of it was the part of that story was that he was playing completely unsustainable basketball, unhealthy basketball. But he sort of willed willed them to the fifth seed or whatever they were, and made it work well enough that he kind of took on a life of its his own. I mean, for... he really he really took care of the Denver Nuggets. It was really <laughs> impressive. There were some beautiful, beautiful games. I'm yeah, no saying, question. I mean, none, none of them happened in the second round of the playoffs or beyond. <laughs> if you cared about basketball, you were talking about us. All year long, and the MVP should reflect that. Like nobody yeah. cared about what Harden was doing. If you cared about Russ, you were undercutting the MVP arguments made by other people. That's what you did last year for sure. <laughs> now, <laughs> hey, I have a real, I have a serious it, it, question though. It was no either shot. Russ or Kawhi? It should not have been Harden. Hold on. If Harden leads these Rockets to the Western Conference Finals, will that change your mind, or will you just, you know, come up with some other excuse to not respect him or to not enjoy him or whatever it might be. And that goes for any hardened skeptics on the pod, not just Andrew. I mean, is that what he needs to do is bring these guys back to the Western conference finals? To me? Yes. I like, I want to see him play well in one like big playoff series before I, I even begin to take him seriously again. <laughs> it's a hard ask though. Like he play it's I mean no I mean, if I'm it's against the Warriors right like it's it's because the Warriors have like four guys that can guard him uh, in in a, and that's in a game why when they're he, trying that's the tough part yeah every time he goes against the war not every time but majority of the time if they ratchet up the defense he just starts yeah. turning it over nonstop unlike my boy Kyrie who never turns it over just just pulling it back there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I'm getting mad at you, Sam. <laughs> Like he's been doing the he's been doing this like all all month. Like, this is like he's all he talks about is Boston in the end. Like, I don't. I need the I need the Boston Finals. I need Kyrie sinking a shot against Cleveland, dude. Yeah, I, more than I, I'm more I excited for that than a Warriors final. Celtics. <laughs> Look, as Sports Illustrated employees, I speak for both myself and Andrew Sharp in saying we really admire the jinx you're trying to put on the Celtics. I mean, Sam, <laughs> this is like A1. You have really committed to the bit. I know this is not like, you know, what you really believe deep down, but, you know, we're impressed. <laughs> We've got, uh, Sam's trying, man. Sam's trying, and he's not stopping me. He's texting me at five in the morning every day. He's, uh, he's <laughs> relentless, relentless. Um, so usually we uh, like to end um, with a real or fake news uh, segment uh -huh. that Sam came up with. So either of you guys can can attack these. Oh, we'll get we'll both. go both. We'll go one by one. Yeah, both. Yeah, so yeah. 
I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna start. You'll be shocked by the first question. Yeah, you'll be yeah. shocked by the first question. Go ahead, Sam. This, this is you. Well, now I've now I've set it up. But real or fake news? The Celtics will win the East. I'll let, Sharp, you go first. Uh, I firmly believe that's fake news, partly because I have to tell myself that. But <laughs> there's no there's no way this team is is like rich man's version of the Hawks, uh, <laughs> like two years Fire. ago. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. They're playing well, and if they if you add Anthony Davis and, and Hayward to the mix, they could be really good. But, like, <laughs> this team is not actually good. The Hawks, you're sick, man. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Fake news. But, Andrew, you left out the part where you think the Wizards are making the finals. Come on. <laughs> can, can we discuss... Would would Boogie on the Wizards, if they oh. could keep Otto Porter, would that scare you at all? No, because John Wall's going to scowl his way to 7 for 25 night. Like oh. all, all it takes is all it takes is the Warriors to bait him a little bit and he, you know, he'll start turning it over and trying to outshoot Steph. I honestly feel like the the best gift Steph has is like insulting the ego of guys who are more athletic it's than him. Definitely true. To think that like they can outshoot him. And so they're like, oh, he just hit that shot in my face. I got to get him back. That's what Kobe would do. And then they take an absurd shot that they have no business taking. <laughs> yeah, the lack of respect for Steph is a completely separate topic. But John Wall definitely falls into one of those people who or one of that category of, of guys who just thinks he's clearly better than Steph. And it's a problem every time they play the Warriors. And it's also a reason that I kind of like I like you guys, but I also kind of hate you guys because <laughs> it's not fair to have a point guard who's just like amazing in every category that matters most in basketball now. Like John Wall through the last 40 years would be so good for uh, in like any different any other era. Right. But this this, this one, it like not being able to shoot really limits him at the elite levels which which uh brings me to actually i've been banging on this drum for uh steph being the most underrated player um i like to say of all time <laughs> if if you if you want to just go star in the league that's andy's andy's borderline like trump here tweeting out about how great he is at listen, all time. listen it's like li- your favorite listen. president Simmons just ranked him as the sixth best. I mean, Simmons not the brightest NBA guy, but I do love him because like he's brought me into like sports writing. He's the reason why I started. Um, Yeah. So I love the guy. Oh, and actually, (laughs) and Sharp, that's actually that's actually your guy. Yeah, that's Um, that guy. But look, I I, I'm with you 100 percent on on weird Steph backlash and how like the rest of the league thinks it's acceptable. He to me, he's clearly number two. And there are a nah. lot of times when I want to say he's number one. <laughs> clearly, he's, number let's, two. let's just and keep it. He's clearly the best guard in the NBA. Like he, you can argue so, about whether so Kawhi. Is. And like, I think at, at some point we're going to look back in ten or fifteen years, and people will realize that he was one of the like fifteen or twenty greatest players of all time. But in the in the moment, it's it's crazy how often guys like rank him behind Harden, for instance. <laughs> yeah so we've i've heard oh, this sorry, have you heard that thing like roger stone has was it richard nixon's tattooed on his back i feel like andy's just got steph <laughs> all the way across like his entire back <laughs> listening to the way that he framed this question as the most underrated player of all He's time got, you, you know andy, that i will i will assure you if 
they win two more titles, which they will, uh, and I'm you guys know I'm a KD guy. Steph's going to be getting the credit from a historical spe- perspective. You go down 10 years, it's going to be Steph was the guy. This whole thing was built around. Everybody wanted to go play with him. It's going to be Tim Duncan Redux. And I think, you know, he, d- he has to add that finals MVP. You know, at some point, that's going to be sort of his crowning achievement. As long as he gets one of those and he has like four rings, he is going to be, you know, right there like Magic or Steph in terms of the greatest point guards of all time. I was going to say, do you buy my theory that like if this Warriors team prolongs out and they're kind of thought of in the same way as the Showtime Lakers, he'll be he'll be Magic and KD will be Kareem in terms of like Kareem or KD may be the better player, but like no one talks about them with the reverence or thinks about them as the iconic player behind the team in the same way to think about the other ones. What you're saying is that KD is going to have to be begging for a statue outside Chase Center, just like Kareem in 20 years. I mean, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I, 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 I could see KD writing pieces for Time Magazine. <laughs> you know, man, I think I think KD's legacy is I'm I'm again concerned because he's veering into like Dwight territory with some oh. of this, like. I just I don't great. know many NBA fans who like follow the game closely who give a shit about KD anymore which really bums me out because he is like he, he's not he's not better than Steph but he's the third best player in the league and one of the like craziest talents we've seen in 25 years but the off the court stuff is re- I really do think it's going to color the way we remember him. I mean he's been absurd this year defensively like where you could make the case how everyone talks about unicorns. He's still the best unicorn in the league with all the rim protection stuff. And just no one cares because he's, it's just every time he, it is the Dwight Howard thing. Like every time he talks, you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, well, let's, let's just move to the next topic. (laughs) And it's a bummer, man. Like I I don't want to hate on him, but like the, the warrior stuff, like you love hating on him just to own it. I don't Role, role player. KD. Never forget. I don't. I don't. He is kind of a role player, though. I, the whole thing bumps me out. So it is what it is. <laughs> so next, next real or fake news going on this uh-huh. one. This one's Wizards related. So we'll, we'll start. Oh, we'll start again. Bradley Beal is the Wizards' best player and will continue to be. You know what, man? <laughs> I am not going to commit on that one. Uh, I will say. It's one of those news stories you see on Facebook, like Kyrie. You see a lot of Kyrie quotes on Twitter lately that could be real or could be fake. (laughs) And uh, that's the zone that this Beal take is in. I will say that I've been offline texting with friends like there are a lot of there are a lot of moments where I trust Beal more than I trust Wall early on this year. I would say fake news. I'm not sure Andrew officially said fake news. Play the game, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I did. I said it's it's in that weird sort of nebulous Kyrie quote zone. Okay. I think it's it, it has shades of Lillard versus McCollum where I think. Mm, no, it doesn't. Well, no, the, the debate. A lot of people last year were coming out strong saying, oh, McCollum is the better player than Lillard. He's more efficient here, A, B, and C. And to me, like the more irreplaceable p- piece for Washington is wall. And if you took wall off, just like if you took Lillard off in Portland, Beal's life would look a lot different. He would not look nearly as good. And same thing with McCall. Or if you tried to elevate them into a true alpha role on some other team, like, you know, one of these fake trades that always happens with McCollum or, 
uh, a fake trade that could happen with Beal, where like they're the guy. I don't think that they would look as good as they currently do in their certain situation. Yeah, Beal is younger though. That's one one element of it. Like Beal is four or maybe five years younger, and uh, I think de- like we may not be there now with Wall and Beal, but it's it's not um, at all inconceivable that like halfway through John Wall's two hundred million dollar deal, Beal will be the better player. But that's <laughs> like two years away, right? I mean, yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, Beal's been <laughs> out of his mind this year. Um, I don't know. I just the the growth in playmaking and ability to do stuff off the dribble to the rim makes me really wonder. Um, yeah, because he's obviously the better shooter of the bunch. But now that you can kind of trust him to to run a pick and roll in in a crunch time scenario, um, I think he might be the better player of the two. That doesn't John Wall like, not play defense either now. <laughs> John Wall, his defense is like a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> my level of frustration. Look. Guys, you can't expect John Wall to be playing like max effort level the first month into what was it like a six year contract worth like half the, <laughs> half the GDP of some continents? Okay, like it's gonna come. He's facing himself. That's it's fair. okay. Don't overreact here. Come on. I said that the other day. This is this feels like like a mid two thousands situation where a guy signs like a massive deal and just completely mails in the first half of the season. So may that on, on the bright side though, the, there's a lot of room for Wall to grow over the course of the year. And uh, I and it is funny, the Beal. It's not like the Portland situation in in one respect because like. No one, everyone in Washington is so far in the tank for Wall that, like, they won't even mention that, like, Beal has clearly been better early on, and he's definitely the better option in crunch time. Let me ask cool. you this. How many, Andrew, because you watch every game, how many games has Rihanna been to this year for Washington? <laughs> I don't think, Rihanna has probably never been to the Verizon oh. Center. <laughs> okay, well, she she's watched John Wall play before because he's puts up the Instagram, you know, with like her clothing or whatever. Like he always, you know, makes a big deal about it. I only judge John Wall. The true like marker of, of a John Wall performance in terms of where he's standing as career is when Rihanna's in attendance. So if he puts up, if he lays one of these like, three for 13 eggs that Sam's looking for in front of Rihanna, then I will maybe <laughs> consider yeah. conceding the point until that happens. I'm still team wall. Good. I appreciate it. Someone has to be. <laughs> well, the, uh, so the next one's my favorite one now, um, because if Sharps thinks that Anthony Davis is going to go to Boston, then I have, then my, my counter, um, is real or fake news. Philadelphia is the best LeBron destination. Fake news. I think the best LeBron destination is San Antonio because (laughs) any of these other like the Lakers thing would be so corny so quickly. Uh, The Knicks would be like, I don't want him to to mess with uh, Porzingis's prime Um, Philly. We already we went over like they did like they're fun now. They don't need LeBron, uh, which is crazy to say. But like it's just the, the other stuff that comes with him is not it's like it's all kind of played out at this point. I want years worth of pop and LeBron over wine coming up with talking points that basically <laughs> form the resistance against our current political climate. Don't we all want that? I mean, could you imagine anything better than what could happen if these guys put their minds together trying to make the world a better place? I just want to see Kawhi and LeBron out there 
you know, basically like, I think that's the best combination matchup wise. If you're trying to, you know, contend with, uh, KD and Draymond. And then I, I trust their structure, uh, and I trust their ability to get the most out of the role players in a very Boston-esque uh, manner like we were talking about earlier. I mean, San Antonio was, you know, getting uh, you know quality lemonade out of lemons years before Brad Stevens was even in the NBA. So let's give them that credit. And so from that standpoint, uh, let's send LeBron to San Antonio. Forget Philly. I'm, I am also anti-Lakers. I think it would just be way too much. The LeVar thing's already been way too much to keep up with uh, with these Lakers. He can't go to Boston. That would be the funniest thing, though. <laughs> LeBron admitting he was wrong and following Kyrie to Boston would be amazing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for that standpoint, I think process of elimination, I think San Antonio is the best spot. And I, I, maybe a little love to Houston, too. You know, I could see uh, that being a situation where he wouldn't have to play as many minutes, wouldn't have the same, uh, you know, uh, responsibilities. I just think LeBron needs to start aging more gracefully. And that's another reason why I like San Antonio. It's just, you can't be playing 38, 40 minutes at night here, uh, after age 30, it's just way, way too much. And that's what he's been doing in Cleveland. Let's get him some massage therapy. Uh, <laughs> let's get him on the Tim Duncan plan and go forward like that. Uh, well, I, I definitely do not want that, but it would be the best option. Um, last one. And we'll close on this. Real or fake news, it is mean for us to continually call Lonzo the Chino Hills Ricky Rubio. <laughs> I mean, true news. Come on, Andrew, stand up for our guy. Uh, definitely real news that it's mean. Um, I, it's not necessarily fake news that Lonzo is Chino Hills Ricky Rubio, though. Uh, I honestly. My reaction to Trump's tweet today was like, I I'm a thousand percent against Trump, but if he had tweeted out Lonzo, like a Lonzo shot chart, I would have, I would have gotten a kick out of it. I, I would have been 998, 98% against Trump after that. You would have registered GOP is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, it was the opposite. And then, and then become a Thunder fan. Yeah. Like Lonzo has been rough, man. And it's, it's one of those things where it's so bad that it's uncomfortable to discuss. Yeah, it's it was rough in person. I can't lie. Like I've been trying to defend Lonzo and preaching patience and so forth. But at that Sixers game, he misses those two threes like back to back. And you're just kind of everyone's sitting there like, will anyone notice if I go to the bathroom right now? That was so awkward. And like everyone's like trying to head for the exit simultaneously. I mean, it was like cringe inducing. That's always a bad sign. Uh, but let's give him time. He got a haircut. I mean, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um you guys got anything final thoughts Nah, we're great we should we should uh i hope to one day meet you guys in person and um <laughs> hopefully be out there at the finals and we can i can make fun of your lame ass unstoppable team <laughs> in, fr- in front of some other warriors fans <laughs> I look forward beers to it. at oracle i look forward yep. to it <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I was going to thank you guys for having us on, but uh, Sharp already slurped you for like 20 minutes earlier. Yeah. So we're good. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Though. We'll hey, talk to you. And also, people should listen to Open Floor if they don't already. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's the only podcast that's approved uh, not on the Leverage the Chat Network. Don't even, right. don't even, don't even consider any other podcasts. Beyond yeah, that. Andrew, didn't you want to plug my Instagram too? Ben's <laughs> been very deep in Instagram. He threw up some magnets. It's big things are happening all across all platforms for all of us. 
All right, thanks uh, a lot, guys. It.